And I would like to play a little tune I just composed not so long ago. Miss Billy, Miss Billy, Miss Billy Holiday. Zurich, DJ Baby Monster here, and like every third Monday of the month, I am bringing you the music of my choice. Is Gimme a Beat, of course, Radio Laura, 97.5 MHz, or you can listen to us via web, www.laura.ch, and then just like the web radio that you see as soon as you land on the page, and listen to me right now. So in tonight's show, I am going back to my, I would say, yearly tradition, uh, at least since a few years ago, since I believe 2017, uh, I've been reviewing this festival. I've been actually attending this festival for a long, longer time, but I only start reviewing it in uh, 2017. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about the Zurich Film Festival. This is actually the only film festival that I am reviewing, uh, that I'm covering uh, with Give Me a Beat. You know, I have to be perfectly honest, it's all about the convenience in here, and Zurich Film Festival is happening in the town where I live, so it is kind of logical to actually review it. Another reason is that um, Zurich Film Festival has been very good in uh, curating the program that actually has a lot of uh, movies done by female filmmakers and you know featuring female leads so it is very easy for me to explore a female factor of the festivals as this is usually what I do with the music festivals I just uh, basically applied my concept uh, to the Zurich Film Festival now, I'm really hoping that in the future uh, I will be maybe reviewing more film festivals, but for now on, this is my uh, focus. Now, what was also really cool during pandemic, uh, Zurich Film Festival was still happening in a very safe environment. And this is something I always like to mention because I can only praise the organization um, of the festival, how well they actually handle the pandemic. And I have to say, uh, you know, the organization continued to be great. And this year we've been a little bit in a better situation regarding pandemic. COVID is still around, but some of the rules are not, which, you know, we can always discuss if it's good or not. But regardless, Zurich Film Festival delivered uh, great movies, uh, great 10 days again. And this time, actually, the festival uh, attracted a record number of visitors. There were 137,000 visitors, that it's 20,000 more than pre-pandemic. Uh, I actually recalled that during pandemic, uh, there were 102,000 visitors. That was the last year, and that was already 
amazing considering that there was a pandemic uh, but this year uh, the visitors really couldn't wait uh, for the festival to happen and also there were uh, visitors from all over the world and uh, many people felt more comfortable probably to attend uh, because as I said pandemic rules uh, lightened up so I can imagine that's why there were more people because there were great movies last time as this year as well. Now, if we look a little bit into statistics of this year, uh, there were actually 90 sold out screenings. There were altogether 580 screenings. And looking from a female perspective, there were actually 41 point four women director uh, that showcase their movies at the festival. So as I said, it's it's easy for me to uh, cover a Zurich Film Festival when there are so many uh, female directors bringing their movies here. Now, that is maybe easy, but that makes it also complicated because managing the schedule is really challenging. You should actually see my plan and program is not the easiest one, but it really helps me to get around and see, you know, either movies during the press screenings or on a regular premieres. It really depends. Uh, as representatives of the press, we are actually not getting a free tickets for gala premieres. So sometimes I also, and this time it was the same, if I wanted to see gala premieres, maybe with some of my friends, I actually bought the ticket. Now, this year I've seen only 30 movies, as I would like to say, because last year I saw 32. So last year I, it was still um, my best year. But to be fair, I also uh, took some days off in order to capture all the movies. And the reason why I didn't say, not that I'm explaining myself, this is already an amazing amount, but the reason uh, why I haven't uh, seen more is that there were movies that we could watch in the library access that we get to watch from home. Uh, but some of the movies that I was planning to see were already removed uh, after the festival is finished. Usually we have a few more days to, to watch uh, everything. So this is the reason why I wanted to see a few more movies, but I haven't. Now, that being said, um, I only reviewed nine from the movies that I've seen because I've been very busy and I wasn't able to review it. But then I also figured out that many of those movies are going to come in the cinema only next year. Uh, so I will continue reviewing the movies and sharing it with you um, because I think uh, it will be good for you to get some movie tips uh, for the movies that are actually coming out uh, next year or right now or around this time. I, I think every year I repeat myself, but I think it's really or important to mention. I do believe that one of the reasons why uh, the Zurich Film Festival is really successful is the, the program. And I remember a few years ago, we got this booklet and they said in a booklet that content is a king, collaboration is key, and encounters among creative folks are essential. And it seems to me they're still following this and I'm very actually happy to do that. 
This year, uh, there were a few new things that I did and that I also liked that they changed in the organization that I believe made the organization and my job easier. Um, first one, I've never managed to get to the press conference. Uh, and actually, this year was my first time. I mean, I would always read the booklet and figure it out, the movies. I never had this briefing that usually happens just before the festival. Uh, but this time I attended and I was actually blown away with the things that, you know, some tips, movie tips that we were given, especially uh, Christian Jungen, uh, artistic director of the festival was quite impressive uh, in his, uh, you know, in his findings and recommendation. I really like his approach to the movies and actually many of the movie suggestions that he talked about uh, during the press conference uh, I followed and I could say that I felt more or less similar like he when he was recommended movies. So I think this is really uh, great and I will actually try to, to to go to the press conference every year. I think it's, it's really valuable and I see that now. I mean, I haven't seen this earlier, but you know, you learn as you go. And the second thing I think that the festival did really great um, is that they allowed us also to buy the tickets online. Um, before as a press you had to always go to the to this press center and get the tickets there and this was always uh, you know strenuous because you can only get the ticket as a press one day before and so on. Now this year we just got the code and we could buy them online and this really made my life easier. I'm anyway all about technology so for me this was like beautiful for my planning and having all the tickets basically in my mobile so I really love this and I'm just suggesting to the Zurich Film Festival organizer to continue to do that uh, I also have to mention I mean the press team is always great they're very responsive and awesome but I think this year they were extremely supportive and uh, really a special shout out to Claudia Vinch uh, who was responsible for handling our interview questions, interview requests, and Fabian Kipfer from her team. They really helped me actually get to some great interviews. And this is the reason why I'm able to bring uh, some great material into Nitro. So into Nitro, I'm going to focus on a three movies, three movies, three directors. And I brought uh, into Nitro the interviews with these directors. Uh, and I will be talking a little bit about the movie but obviously you can also find the review of the movies and links with more information as usual on my Facebook page. I'm going to be mentioning this later on. There is so much material that I actually want to start as soon as possible. Uh, the three movies that I uh, just mentioned before, there are The Swimmers. This is actually a biographical drama directed by uh, Sally El Hosiani, uh, who wrote also a screenplay together with Jack Thorne. I was asking for an interview just with Sally, uh, but I actually had a pleasure to interview Natalie Issa, who was in a leading role, who was playing Yusra Mardini in the movie, and Yusra Mardini, who is the real life character of this story that Sally told. Uh, she's also a Syrian swimmer currently living in Germany and uh, she was the member of the Refugee Olympic Athletes team uh, that competed under the Olympic flag at 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio. This was the first time that this team was formed uh, and she was uh, one of the members. Uh, it was super inspiring to 
talked to Sally and Natalie and Yusra uh, unexpectedly, uh, and I'm excited to bring this into Night Show. Second movie that I will focus on in tonight's show is Unruly or Österlich, Danish movie from a female, another female director, Malo Raymond. And uh, she also co-wrote uh, the screenplay together with uh, Sarah uh, Jonsson. Um, the third movie I will focus on is from Georgia Oakley. Uh, she's another female director. She's from UK and this is the UK movie. Uh, the movie is Blue Jean. And she wrote the screenplay for this movie as well. So really three amazing movies with super talented female directors and with uh, super talented uh, ladies in a leading roles. I have lots of material and I will try to play everything in tonight's show. And if we need to prolong it a little bit, I will do that because I really think it's worth it uh, for you to hear these interviews and of course, mixed up with some selection of the music. As I mentioned before, the first movie I will focus on is is the swimmers. Um, this is really a very emotional movie, at least it was for me. Uh, it was actually an emotional roller coaster because the way how it's done is that I was catching myself crying and laughing at the same time and you know kind of cheering the girls in a moment of triumph and, and being like really uh, totally focused in those heavy scenes. Uh, director Sally El Husseini created the story that is really, I would say, a different kind of refugee movie. You know, on one side, you have the really horrifying and suspenseful story about refugees, but also there is a deep out-of-age drama of growing up in the circumstances and not giving up on your dreams. Um, the beautiful thing about this movie is actually that um, director focused on a sisterhood and their emotional journey and kind of their growing up. So Mardini sisters, Yusra and Sarah, Syrian girls who were talented swimmers, had to leave their homeland uh, in 2015. Of course, the road to get to Europe uh, with other refugees was everything but an easy one. But they actually managed to arrive to Germany and uh, Yusra even achieved uh, her dream to participate in Olympic Games in uh, Rio. Additional very interesting thing about this movie is that Yusra and Sarah were portrayed by the real-life sisters uh, Natalie and Manal Isa so they could share almost like their own sisterhood and their own chemistry between them uh, to tell this story. Um, I would highly recommend uh, for you to see this movie. Uh, the movie uh, premiered actually on a 2022 Toronto International Festival on September 8, and after that it was showcased in Zurich, so this was the uh, second time that it was uh, showcased. From what I read, it was released in um, uh, selected cinemas uh, in the beginning of the November. But a big uh, streaming release is happening on November 23rd, 2022 on the Netflix. So I would really, really highly recommend that you see this movie. Because it's a different kind of uh, refugee story, I think it's valuable for everybody for people that maybe had a similar experience or people that had no clue um, because 
one of the things that this movie also showcases is that no one chooses to be a refugee, that everybody that are, are actually pushed to become one. So really powerful movie, check it out, see it. In the meantime, I'm gonna play for you with the interviews, first with Sally and later on at the together interview with Natalie and Yusra. I'm going to play songs uh, that were featured in the movie. Lots of Sia songs, or actually those are the songs from Yusra and Sarah's own playlist. And there were lots of uh, uplifting Sia songs and I added a few more. But the first song that is actually uh, featured in this movie is the, the song from Colby Kylat, uh, Brighter Than Sun. And so I will play that and a little bit of Sia uh, in between the interview. And from time to time, I will, of course, tune in to remind you that you are listening to Give Me A Beat. My name is Sally El Husseini. I'm a filmmaker and I'm listening to Give Me A Beat. So. I, I've seen the movie. I, I really loved it. I mean, I have to say I was half crying, half laughing. It was a very, very emotional movie for me. Um, and I was just happy that somebody told the story, uh, this story and in the way that it was told. So I just really want to understand first, why did you decide to tell this story? I wanted to tell the story because of Yusra and Sarah. Firstly and foremost, in them I saw a younger version of myself. I grew up in Cairo. They grew up in Damascus. The actresses who play them, who are also sisters, grew up in Lebanon. And all of us grew up in these different cities, but we all had a very similar experience. Um, I hadn't seen young Arab women, modern, liberal, like them on screen before and like the people who I knew growing up, like my friends, um, and really wanted to make heroes out of them. And I set out to tell the story in a way that this would be the story that I wished that I had seen when I was 16. Stop me on the corner, swear you hit me like a vision. I, I, I wasn't expecting, but who am I to tell Faye where it's supposed to go with it? Don't you blink, you might miss it. See, we got a right to just love it or leave it. You find it and keep it, cause it ain't every day you get the chance to say. Feed it. You better believe I'm gonna try. 
What I really liked about the story, that it wasn't a cliché story, it's actually really a story about these two sisters, two girls, young girls, that are helping each other through horrible time. So what part of you is in that story? Always as a filmmaker, you put yourself in the film. And, you know, I'm a little sister and a big sister, so sisterhood is something I know very well. And for me, that emotional sister relationship was the heart and soul of the story. They go on a very big external journey, but it was always that internal journey that they go on that was what I responded to, what I related to, what I understood. So I left Egypt when I was 16 and moved to the UK. And it, part of mm. my journey of leaving Cairo and going to the UK, I felt in them and them moving to Germany. So there were a lot of personal details um, that I was able to put in. But I also felt it was so important to capture Yusra and Sara's souls and story. And so one of the first things I said to them to, when I met them was, please give me your playlists. I want to know what you were listening to at that time in Damascus. Um, Yusra, what was the music that you were working out to that inspired you to swim and to actually achieve what you achieved and get to Rio? And that's where this choice for Sia came into it. And the Western songs that are in the movie all came directly from Yusra's playlist and with the real song she was listening to at that time. Because they were 17 and 20. Yeah. And 2015 is not that long ago. There are certain youngsters living in Damascus while the war was happening around them, having a life that we can relate to in any big city in the world, watching the same programs on TV and on Netflix and listening to the same music. And that's a unifying thing. And I think it allows an audience to access the girls and realise that they're just young girls like me, like my daughter, like my cousin, like my niece.
My name is Sally El Husseini. I'm a filmmaker and I'm listening to Give Me a Beat. What was the most challenging when you were making this movie, if you can tell us a bit more? Yeah, I mean, they say, don't they, don't work with children, animals in the water, um, not to mention COVID. We shot during COVID, so we were all wearing masks through the whole shoot, even in the sea. And we filmed a lot of the crossing for real. So we put a dinghy in the Aegean Sea on the same coastline where there are lots of people taking that same journey. And in fact, when we were wrecking that location, we saw dinghies crossing uh, and we saw the Coast Guard ships chasing them. And it, we decided all the daytime crossing in the movie is done for real. And I cast um, some Syrian refugees as well who were the cast members in the dinghy mm -hmm. with the actors in the boat. Um, and we 
went out on the real water and we shot it for real. Yeah, amazing, really amazing. So going a little bit back in time, I think female directors, female filmmakers are still a rare thing, um, which I don't understand why. I think women can do anything like men and even better. But if you can maybe tell us 
how did you decide to become a filmmaker? I mean, you're also quite successful, so it's really good to cover your story because you, you really are role model for, for young women already. So maybe if you can tell us, like, where was the point of time where you were like, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, thank you. It, um, for me, it was when I was in university. I had no idea that I wanted to be a filmmaker and I was studying Arabic politics and Arabic language at university. And I was memorizing some grammar late at night and I was finding it really difficult and it really wasn't me. I wasn't that mm -hmm. good at it and it, I wasn't that academic. And I had this moment where I was like, this, I've gone wrong in life. This isn't what I'm meant to be doing. And I thought, okay, well, if this is not what you're meant to be doing, what are you meant to be doing? What is the thing that is gonna make you passionate? And I remembered the only things that I've ever loved were taking photographs, which I did since I was young and used to develop them myself. So taking photographs, writing poetry and being around people. I thought, what job combines images and photographs and poetry and words and, is, and people? Because I like people. And then it was like a light bulb switched on and I thought film. Nice. And really before that moment, because I didn't know anybody in the film industry, before that moment, I didn't even know it was an option. So what would you say today to somebody who wants to actually start and they're a woman, maybe they're a little bit nervous about it. What would you give them as an advice? Go for it. You know, I didn't go to film school. Um, you don't have to. It's a very practical um, profession. You learn by doing it. So just start. My name is Sally El Husseini. I'm a filmmaker and I'm listening to Give Me a Beat. Yes, you are still listening to Give Me a Beat. My name is Adija Baby Monster, and this is Radio Laura. In tonight's show, I'm focusing on Zurich Film Festival, exploring the female factor of the F Zurich Film Festival. You just heard an interview with phenomenal Sally El Hussein, the director of the movie Swimmers, the movie that opened Zurich Film Festival this year, and a few weeks before, it opened uh, Toronto International Film Festival uh, as well. Uh, don't miss this movie. It's going to be streaming only in few days on uh, Netflix from November 23rd. And maybe you already managed to catch it, which is great. But if you haven't, please check it out. It was great to actually finish with some advices from Sally for the aspiring uh, female directors. Uh, Sally is already very successful director and this was uh, not her first movie, but I'm really glad that she uh, told this story because I think it is very important nowadays to create uh, the movie like this. We're still not done. There's still a bit uh, more uh, with a focus on the swimmers going forward. I'm going to play an interview that I did with Natalie Issa, the leading actress who actually plays uh, Yusra Mardini in the movie. And I had a chance also to have an interview with Yusra Mardini. Natalie and Yusra did an interview together. Uh, since I like to have an interviews as a conversation, I will not be mentioning always uh, whom am I asking the question, but I think you will understand from the conversation to whom the question is attended to, and you can follow it as you usually follow my interviews as, as kind of like sitting somewhere in the room uh, and hearing the conversation that I had with Natalie and Yusra. 
there will be still a little bit more Sia and then I will continue with some other female artists that featured in the movies and of course at the end I will also post uh, the link to the playlist uh, so you can get some references and listen to it even without the interviews and this radio show. Hi, my name is Natalia Isa and I'm an actress and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. Hi, I'm Isra Mardini, I'm two times Olympic swimmer and you're listening to a Give Me a Beat. I just saw the movie actually this morning and I thought you were unbelievable. I mean, it was actually very, it's a very emotional movie. Um, for me, it was very emotional, I can imagine for anyone else. Um, but I think without the good casting, the story would be hard to tell. Um, and so I was reading quite a lot about you getting involved in the movie and so on. Um, and I want to understand uh, what made you actually decide to take part in the movie. It's just by reading uh, the script and by reading uh, Yusra's book. She wrote a book, Butterfly, mm -hmm. and it was wonderful. I felt like I understood the character. Um, I felt like I could understand how she, like how she was thinking, what she was going through, and everything. I just wanted to act her. I felt like I would do a beautiful job doing her, and she I felt did. a great yeah connection with her, and I just yeah felt I belonged in in this. And and how much did you have actually saying if in who is going to play uh, you? I did not really like probably they. Look, some things in life you just have to trust and um, I trusted the cast when I met them and I felt very comfortable with them. Um, in, the, in the beginning it was only working title and then um, Netflix got involved but with the casting it was Sally then and, and a few others. So I trusted Sally, the director, a lot and um, I knew she was going to do a great job and um, sometimes if you're meddling too much it won't come out as... as as amazing as it is because I will give them more pressure or maybe um, a lot to think about. So I trusted them with the whole process. I told the story and um, I just knew the news one by one, you know, and um, I went, when I met Natalia, I immediately um, clicked with her. She visited me in Hamburg the first time we met and uh, she slept by me in my apartment. We just, it was like, okay, you know, soul sisters or something. And um, I, I was very, very happy. And I saw that, as she said, she's a perfectionist like I am and she does everything even we're so close that sometimes you're like we're leaving the party together to go back to sleep or because we have training or something else in the morning so um yeah sometimes you just have to trust the people that are working around yeah party girls don't get hurt can't feel anything when will I learn I push it down I push it down I'm the one for a good time call, phone's blowing up, bring on my doorbell, I feel the love, I feel the love.
most challenging for you when you were doing uh, this role or when you were... A lot, I think this whole movie is challenging. I think I started with the hard, like with a really difficult job but that I enjoyed a lot. First getting to swim. You yeah. guys should know even if it's, I always say it, I didn't know how to swim. So we had uh, two months of prep in which I was always swimming. We have to, we had to work out to look like a swimmer. So this was my first challenge that I took seriously and I was always swimming and I always wanted to perfect it. Yeah. Um, challenging scene, also the dinghy scene. You saw it, mm -hmm. we were in the real water, we were really in the middle of the sea. We were surrounded by like supporting actors who were really incredible. We were like 20 in the dinghy. Um, it made us feel closer because we had, it was a big obstacle we've been through. Um, and the whole movie was challenging emotionally and physically. Um, so when you're physically tired, you become emotionally tired. And when you're emotionally tired, you become yes. physically tired. So every day was a challenge. But what helped me go through it was my passion for it, was my love for Yusra and for wanting her to, to like love it. And also the support of my sister who was, who was playing Sara. And also, yeah, we would, when you want to tell a wonderful story, when you want to tell an important story, you don't mind. You just go through the challenges and you just go through the obstacles. Yeah, and 100%. It. And and yeah, your sister was also in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think that actually, that sisterhood is really what is very powerfully presented. Mm. Um, working with family can be also a little bit strange. Yeah. So how was that experience for, for you? <laughs> it was great. It was great. My sister had each other's support. We were always laughing. We were crying together. We, when I wasn't feeling good, I was like, where's Manal? Like, please. Like, she was always here. <clears throat> it was a great atmosphere. We never had this weird vibe. We have seven year difference also. Like, sh and we were always looking up for each other. It was wonderful. And if we can do it again, we will do it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and for you, Yusra, 
Um, do you think that relationship was really captured in the movie? Uh, you know, what you have with your sister? Was that really in the way you imagined it? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I mean, me, my, my relationship with Sarah has changed a lot throughout the years, to be honest. We just, uh, my mom would let us wear the same clothes when we were young. People thought we were twins. And then uh, throughout, you know, every Syrian mom did that, probably. <laughs> Um, uh, they make every it, mom uh, every that. mom exactly uh, yeah uh, and then after that we started like kind of having our own interests but we were very very close and then on the journey honestly we me and my sister we show love to each other by doing things that show that we love each other um, or by teasing each other our relationship is as you can see from the movie like I say oh I was really scared and she throws a really bad joke but it makes me laugh and that's that's how we bond and um and real life is the same uh we have always been there for each other even if i don't i think it's very hard for us to say i love you i love you or i miss you those things you know mm-hmm. but um we we know that we are there for each other we know that uh uh, we have the other person's uh, best interests at heart and um yeah Hi, I'm Isra Mardini. I'm two times Olympic swimmer, and you're listening to a Gimme Beat. And uh, how was it for you? Could you relate to the character that you were acting? What was the overlapping uh, part? I mean, I know you're Lebanese. Um, I think there is a connection with the language. W- was there more in your life experience where you could feel you you could relate to? Um, what I could relate first, it's a story of two sisters, which is wonderful. We don't get to see this a lot, and it was such, it's such a great thing that it was my real sister we were playing it. So first, how she behaves with her sister, how she is, it's mm-hmm. so me. Um, we have also this thing with Manal where she makes fun of me a lot, yeah. and I'm like, the, Khalas, and stop, stop and, yeah. you know, it's young sister, a big sister. So it was so beautiful to, to get this. And also in her way of seeing the world, in yeah. um, her way of um, just pursuing everything she wants, and it's something I still am looking for doing. It, she was also an inspiration, uh, mm-hmm. Yusra. It wasn't oh. just Yusra, I'm like her, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's someone who showed me strength. When I was playing her, I saw something new about me. I was like, I'm strong. Mm-hmm. Playing a strong character makes, makes you actually yeah. realize yes. you can actually be strong. And yeah, it's oh, uh, so amazing. it was also also a discovery for me. Hi, and my name is Natalia Aysa and I'm an actress and you're listening to Give Me a Beat.
So how was it for you to swim for the first time at Olympic Games? Like, what was that first emotion that... At Rio? Yes. Do you want my most, like, honest answer? I wasn't happy with my swim. I was disappointed. Um, yeah, obviously, I was very young. I was 18. Um, I was put in a such a big spotlight. Uh, we had so many interviews and so on, and that unfortunately did not let me have the whole experience of the Olympic Games but now I realize that also it opened such a big door for me it gave me a really strong voice um, maybe it wasn't my best race but this Olympic Games gave me the voice that I have right now it gave me the confidence it gave me um, it made me believe that you know, it's not just about me it's not about the gold medal anymore it's about the community it's about millions of whom you represent yeah me reading just interviews about oh this team of 10 athletes is representing millions around the world woke me up like it shook me and it um, made me realize that i have a way bigger responsibility than just um you know win a gold medal and that was the beauty of learning that i also could fail but still win you know Uh, yes yeah yeah, and maybe you could be like less hard than yourself. I know. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> With swimming, it's impossible because like you put years and years of hard work, and obviously at the Olympic Games, I did, I didn't, I wasn't fair to myself. It was only one year after I had this uh, really one of the. It, it was the toughest journey of my life, and after that, um, I still wanted to perform. So, um, yeah, in general, it was very difficult for me, and I was very young, and I wanted to become the next Mike Phelps like everyone else. So it was hard to accept, but I, I did, and I understood. Hi, I'm Yusra Mardini. I'm two times Olympic swimmer, and you're listening to a Give Me Beat. Hi, my name is Natalia Aysa, and I'm an actress, and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. Yes, you are still listening to Give Me a Beat. My name is a DJ Baby Monster, and this is Radio Laura. You just heard the interviews with Yusra Martini and Natalie Issa. And with this, we are finishing a focus on a first movie this evening, The Swimmers, the movie that opened uh, this year's Zurich Film Festival. In tonight's show, I am actually focusing on a female factor of a Zurich Film Festival. And by that, I mean I'm focused on uh, three movies, Uh, three female directors uh, and playing their interviews and relevant music. Now, I've seen 30 movies uh, on this year's festival and I've managed to review nine of them. I will continue reviewing, so uh, you should be able to get some movie tips going forward and probably until the end of this year. In order to see reviews that I already did until now, as well as the highlights, uh, I would recommend to follow my Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash stop.gimmeabeat. You know, usually there is a tag for the highlights and I will be also sharing this in the text uh, that I provide before every radio show. What usually happens before every Give Me a Beat, as many of the listeners of Give Me a Beat know, uh, I share an information of what I will be uh, playing uh, in tonight's show. And then a few weeks after the show is aired, I also upload the podcast and I share an information that this podcast is uploaded as well on Facebook. 
So this is why I'm recommending to follow the Facebook. It's not just uh, to hear all of the give me a bit, but also to, to read some interesting reviews, like in this case, movie reviews, including highlights that should provide you some interesting movie tips. The next movie we are focusing on is the movie Unruly. This movie is a movie set in a, in a bit of a different time, in 1930s, in Denmark. And director, uh, Malu Raymond, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Sarah Isabel Jonsson, uh, captured, or better said, revealed the dark, hidden history of Denmark. I haven't heard this part of Danish history before, and apparently uh, Malo only discovered it recently, uh, but immediately connected the dots and understood how that influenced her uh, and generation of the women that came after the women that are portrayed in this movie. The movie focuses on Marin. Uh, she's a teenager who loves going out, dancing and drinking, flirting with men. Even though this sounds like a, just another teenager in conservative Denmark, this was considered a non-acceptable behavior. And Marin uh, ends up in the women's institution on the island uh, Sprogo, uh, where the women like her were brought to be corrected before return to the society. Of course, Marin realizes very soon that she wants to leave this place, uh, but unfortunately for her, um, this is almost impossible. This doesn't really stop her. She's determined to leave and she starts to challenge actually the people in power method used in the institution. What we realize very soon is that the women on the island uh, are there for a longer time and that the correction is sometimes lasting forever and that actually what is happening in this place is a subtle abuse that is very effective and it's so powerful that ensures that these women are scarred for life, uh, feeling helpless and unfitting in the society and society rules uh, forever. Marin connects uh, with Sorin uh, and Together, these two actresses, Emily Croyle Koppel and Jessica Dinage, are actually the ones who are focused on the movie. They have an amazing chemistry, and I really have to say the whole cast is, is great. Um, the whole movie is done in such a way uh, that is shocking and horrifying and so intense and so emotional that I can tell you with certainty there is no way to watch this movie without actually being affected by this story. Now the uh, director Malu Raymond directed this movie in the way that she took care of every single detail. So even the music composed by Elisa Montan is unmissable. Um, I wanted to play the music for you tonight uh, together with an interview with Malo, but unfortunately the soundtrack is going to be out only when the movie premieres uh, in Denmark, and that is in March 2023. So I will park that idea right now and come back and bring the uh, soundtrack and play to you or share it with you once it's available. In the meantime, while playing the interview with Malo, uh, I will play 
the music from Sinead O'Connor. Uh, one of the highlights of Zurich Film Festival for me uh, was also documentary focused on a Sinead O'Connor. That was absolutely phenomenal. And since I don't have an appropriate music, but since she was really way ahead of her time and a true rebel, I decided to actually play uh, some of her songs. Not all the songs uh, were featured in a movie. Uh, some of them are, and the rest is actually my selection of Sinead O'Connor favorite songs. Uh, I hope that Malo will be okay with that, uh, because unfortunately I am not able to play uh, Lisa Montan's uh, music. Uh, before continuing with an interview and uh, the music from Sinead O'Connor, I just want to mention uh, that Malo started in the movie industry as a really young person, first as an actress, and uh, Unruly is her second feature movie. Uh, the first one was A Perfect Normal Family, uh, released in 2020. Very, very personal movie, uh, which had a world premiere at Toronto. She also had several short movies as a director, uh, which won um, various awards. So I was really excited, actually, to uh, catch Marlowe for an interview. And uh, in addition, I also attended the premiere of the movie on the Zurich Film Festival, where Malo attended as well uh, for a Q&A session. And it was really great to hear uh, even more about the movie and about her in, in this session. Since the interview was short, we were doing it in between her going to a premiere and having the green carpet uh, photo session. Um, so I could only have 10 minutes uh, or even less than that to ask her a few questions. Regardless, I hope you enjoy this and I'm going to start immediately with the interview and Sinead O'Connor music will be played somewhere in between. I'm Malou Raymond, I'm the director of Unruly and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. I haven't seen your movie. I'm very much looking forward. I'm going to see mm -hmm. it tonight, like the rest of the audience uh, in Zurich. It's Tonight is a premiere it in is, Zurich. Yeah. So it's super exciting. Um, I thought the topic mm -hmm. is very different. So I know this is your second feature film. Uh, and the first one was very personal. Mm -hmm. It really went from your own experience. Yes. And this one obviously isn't. Uh, so I wanted to understand first, why did you yeah. choose to tell this story? I think like I had heard about this place. It's based on a, on a real place, an island institution for women. And, and it just really like touched me. And it, it stayed with me for years after I had heard about it. And I, and I couldn't understand why there hadn't been made a film about it yet. So after I made my first feature, I felt like, okay, if no one else made it, then I'm gonna take it and run with it. So I did and I started exploring it. And I think it's not just um, like, of course, the whole historical context of it is really interesting and really scary also. It's a very brutal story and a very dark um, period in Danish history. Um, but I think it was very much the kind of identification with the young women Mm -hmm. seeing that these young women were actually just like teenagers <laughs> um, and that 
like they could be sent away in an island for many years uh, and be sterilized and and kind of have the rest of the lives their lives taken away from them yes just because they didn't fit in that very narrow box of what it um, means to be a proper girl like it, it didn't take much to kind of fall outside of that category so I think even though it's a historical subject it was still the identification and seeing how this could have been me <laughs> mm-hmm. because you have to tell your personal story yes, at the end of yes. the day somehow you have to connect it with your personal exactly. understanding and experience even you finding out about this story I think then it became personal it, it did for sure it became very personal I think like a big part of making the film was a sense of obligation towards the women that had actually been in this island institution but I think also a big part of it for me was like finding kind of the the relevance of today and mm-hmm. how I still today or growing up as a young girl and woman in Denmark lived through these things I was never sent away to to an island for misbehaving as a girl but but shame has been like regulating my actions ever since I don't know I, I think it's very much to do with discovering your own sexuality and suddenly you, you experience shame mm-hmm. as something that comes with that and something that regulates how you're allowed to be, behave and what actions you're allowed to take and I think that comes from it being a criminal thing to not behave as a, yeah. a proper girl. And I think what is really sad is that this is happening all over the world. Over. I think this yes. is almost coming with being a female, exactly. which is really yes. sad. Yes, right? very, very sad. Like a bird 
I'm Malou Raymond, I'm the director of Unruly, and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. I think there is lots of movies that I've seen when they portray something that happened before. Mm -hmm. I always think about it. We came a long way, but we are not there yet. No, you know? no and for sure. Even the fact that there are not as many female filmmakers, mm -hmm. it's already not mm -hmm. good. And it is like that in many professions. It is, still, it is, I think. Know? And I think, you know, this, this shame I was talking about before, it's not just in relation to sexuality, it's, it's in relation to behavior in general. So it can also just be, you know, being, being told off for being aggressive or being told off uh, for wanting something or being loud or outspoken mm -hmm. or very clear on what you like and what you like all these things that actually are really good skills to have in life especially when men have them yes exactly and i think that when you're taught from a very young age that it's wrong to behave like that it's also harder to compete with men in jobs that require you to be, you know, strong and opinionated and sometimes aggressive, but all these things that, yeah, are are wrong <laughs> to be as, as a girl. A hundred percent. So um, you were actress when you were younger yeah. and now it seems that you are focused more on a filmmaking. Yes. Is this correct? Yeah, something? yeah. I, I, I uh, worked as an actress when I was a child, but I stopped when I was 22 as a very kind of definite decision because I, I wanted to make my own films yeah and tell your story exactly yeah
Um, but now going back to the movie, mm -hmm. the casting seems to be really great. Obviously, I've only seen some scenes and so on, but it seems to be a really great connection between these two yes. leading ladies. Yes. So sometimes that is very difficult to mm -hmm. find. So mm -hmm. tell me, was this difficult for you? How did you find the right cast? Um, it actually it wasn't difficult at all. We, we did like... What was a bit tricky was it was during the COVID lockdown. So we started casting when there was when we could only see self-tapes. So in the beginning, I only saw self-tapes. But as soon as I saw uh, Emilia, who plays Man, and Jessica, who played Serene, it was like obvious. That was it. It could only be them. When the country opened up again, we did do a regular casting where we saw them and a few more um, women. but. Seeing the two of them together, it was just like, that's it. We, we have them. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, it was amazing. But what, what was the most challenging when you were making this movie? So I think it's a, it's a period drama taking place in the 1930s. And, and I think that was just the, the big challenge of everything. That, because it, it kind of triples down in all departments. Of course, the amount of research you need to do for the for the script writing, but also for costumes and for set design and for every small little detail, you need to do research. So it was just very heavy in that aspect. I'm Malou Raymond. I'm the director of Unruly, and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. Dublin in a rainstorm Sitting in the long grass in summer Keeping warm I'll remember it Every restless night We were so young then We thought that everything we could possibly do Tell me, when did the light die? You will rise, you'll return. Does she need 
want for people to take with them when they leave the mm -hmm. cinema after this movie? Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a film that is very much about um, like this sophisticated violence of manipulation so trying to change the way you think about yourself so you start thinking badly about yourself and thinking that you're wrong so you will change your behavioral pattern and I think that is a very dangerous thing to do to people because what we need to trust the most is our emotions and our instincts, intuition. Yeah, our intuition, exactly. And I think that is like a very strong female strength. And I think we really need to learn to trust that 
So I really hope that people take that away from the film, that be reminded that you need to trust yourself and your instinct.
What is next for you? So I have two new projects. One is a feature film that, like, I don't know much about it, but it's definitely more lighthearted because this has been a very heavy film to make. Um, so I want it to be a bit more fun and, and lighthearted. The other one is maybe a TV series, maybe a feature film, I'm not sure yet. And it's about the, like, prosecution of uh, witches in Denmark in the 1600s. So women that were accused of witchery. I'm Malou Raymond, I'm the director of Unruly, and you're listening to Give Me a Beat. Yes, you are still listening to Give Me a Beat. My name is the DJ Baby Monster, and this is Radio Laura. In tonight, Give Me a Beat, I am uh, focusing on a Zurich Film Festival on three movies, three female director, and uh, you just heard the last part of the interview with Malo Raymond, another super talented director, uh, this time from Denmark. Uh, we were talking about her and the movie uh, that she brought to Zurich Film Festival, Andruli. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, as mentioned in the beginning, uh, the music is also phenomenal, and since the movie uh, will come out in Denmark in March 2023. At the same time, there will be a soundtrack released. I will be reminding Give Me a Beat listeners on this. So follow me via Facebook page where I'm going to post the uh, information when the soundtrack is out. In the meantime, if you're able uh, to check it out even before the official cinema premiere, go and see this movie. This was a very important story to be told and I'm highly recommending this movie as this was one of my highlights. The music that you are listening in between is the music from Sinead O'Connor, of course. This music is not played in the movie. Um, I wasn't able to play the soundtrack, so I decided to play this. Uh, Sinead O'Connor was also present, in a sense, on a Zurich Film Festival through documentary Nothing Compared another highlight of mine, phenomenal documentary, and in some way, even though we are talking about different times, a different era, uh, different countries, there is a certain parallel between, you know, these two stories. Um, Sinead O'Connor, of course, is still an activist, is still doing her thing, but just uh, that her early career that is covered in, in this documentary is also showcasing how she was stigmatized and uh, casted out because of her opinion and because she stood up against uh, the power and backward uh, thinking. Uh, so, again, another movie that I highly recommend, and I hope you enjoyed my choice of Sinead O'Connor music. In the movie, even though the movie is called Nothing Compares, they were not able to play Nothing Compares to You. They didn't receive the right for this song. So, obviously, I can play this song, and that's why uh, this was the first song from Sinead O'Connor that I played. Now we are moving to the... Uh, third director, third movie, 
um, the last focus of uh, Zurich Film Festival for me tonight. Of course, as I mentioned, I'm still reviewing the movies and there are several more highlights that I still want to uh, share it with you. But in the Tonight Show, I'm only limiting myself on these three movies and three directors. The last movie that I will focus on tonight is called Blue Jean uh, from the UK director this time, uh, Georgia Oakley. Um, she is a British screenwriter and director and this is her debut feature-length movie. This movie had a premiere in a world premiere at Venice uh, film Festival. Before that, Georgia released several award-winning short films. If you have a chance, check them out as well. Quite interesting stuff. With this story, we are moving now to 80s, and Georgia Oakley explores the influence of the Section 28 law on Jean, main character, who works as a physical education teacher in the local school. Section 28 law uh, is the law that came out in 1988 in a UK, in a homophobic uh, Margaret Thatcher's UK. The law was set in place to prohibit the promotion of homosexuality uh, by local authorities. This actually meant that by law, teachers were not allowed to teach or talk about homosexual relationships. Now, uh, this is the problem for Jean because she loves her work, she gets along with her students, she mostly works with girls, but in her private life, she actually enjoys hanging around with her girlfriend and in a local LGBTQ club. All of this she likes to keep private and now the things are becoming even more complicated because actually she could lose her job or even more if somebody would expose her as a homosexual. With Blue Jean, Georgia Oakley created uh, really the subtle tale that captures normal human lives being affected by conservative society, patriarchy and homophobia. There are elements that are connected uh, with unruly in some way, especially considering the conservative society and patriarchy. But on the other hand, the story is quite universal. If you we would add smartphones, internet, social media, this could be also 2022, because as I was sharing also in an interview with Marlowe for the previous movie, we came a long way, but there is still quite a lot to do. Consider equal rights uh, of everybody, you know, rights to live, right to love, and etc. I thought that Rose McEwen, uh, who is portraying the main actress in the movie, is absolutely amazing. She was so real with all the positives and negatives that we all human have. And I love the style of directing uh, in this movie where we could have the close-ups of the Jean's face and then uh, that showcase really her inner struggles, agony, as the situation got complicated in the movie and uh, developed in, in the direction she couldn't control or handle anymore. Um, I had a great conversation with Georgia and I was really, really gutted that we had to shorten it because, again, I captured her uh, between the photo shootings and other interviews and so on. However, I'm I was just really happy to capture her 
even for the short interview. This movie was one of my highlights at the Zurich Film Festival and I can only say that I highly recommend it. Unfortunately, I don't have any information when is it going to be back in the cinema, is it coming back to Switzerland or anywhere else, but this movie is currently touring around the festivals, so follow it on the social media and try to catch it, maybe in the cinema near you and the festival near you, otherwise I'm sure it's going to be back in the cinema in uh, 2023 and then I will really just tell you go get the ticket see the movie um, the music in the movie was really great uh, but because not all the songs uh, were sang by a female artist I decided to actually do something else I did a bit of a research and I found the songs that were released in 1988 across the world not just in UK but also in US and I will be playing those songs together with an interview uh, with Georgia. And with this, I'm going to finish tonight's show. You were listening to Give Me a Beat. My name is a DJ Baby Monster. This is Radio Laura. I'm wishing you good night and until the next time. Stop! Give me a beat! So, I've seen your movie last night mm -hmm. and I really loved it. Uh, I actually never knew about this uh, law that was pushed in 80s. Mm -hmm. I never really heard about it. And my vision of 80s was always as something like free times and creative and so on. So I had no idea that this happening. So it was a little bit of a kind of a wake up call for me to, to even hear, see how it was affecting the people. But Obviously, this didn't affect your life, but how did you decide to cover this topic and tell this story? Uh, well, I had a similar... I didn't know anything about the law either, but I, when I found out about it, I realized that it had been a law until 2003, so it had then really affected my life because I was at school, mm -hmm. like the character in the film, the younger character, I was at school during this law, mm -hmm. so I suddenly started to understand why there had been no role models, no gay role models, none of my teachers, none of the students, nobody was ever out and nobody discussed sexuality at all. It was like this alien thing that was just left, so, um, and I hadn't known that that was a thing, and, and because of the realization that none, none of my friends knew what it, what it was, I felt that it was the effects of this law were still palpable. When I started working on the film it was 2018 and they started introducing education in the UK for young children around um, different types of families mm -hmm. and there were protests all over the country. People didn't want their children being taught that gay people exist still in 2018. So I just felt like it was something that needed to be told because it was also being reflected in what was happening today.
In many ways, even though the movie really feels like Kate is, at some points you were like, this could be today as mm. well, certain situations and certain th scenes. But still, I did feel like I was brought back to the 80s. It felt very real, the story felt really real. So what did you do to make the story so authentic and real? Mm. Well, so when I discovered the law and I decided to make a film about a teacher, I started researching and I found some interviews online that were with real women who had worked at that time, lesbian PE teachers specifically. And so when I found those interviews, I then tracked those people down and the producer and I drove around the country in England meeting these women and interviewing them about their experiences. and. What we were really fascinated by was that they, a lot of them had very similar stories to the one that we'd already started working on. We already had the idea that she was going to run into her student in, in, in a bar and that had happened to quite a few of them mm -hmm. and they had 
uh, all behaved quite badly as a result and regretted the way that they had behaved and we were meeting these people for the first time and realizing I just found it interesting like why would why would a, a good person a good teacher be forced to the lengths that they were forced to and and I like the fact that Jean in the film does some quite questionable things that perpetuate the cycle of homophobia without realizing at the beginning um, and yeah it was all kind of drawn from these women's experiences but also infused with lots of my own experience maybe that's what could make it feel more current in some cases it was actually a lot more extreme the homophobia that we that these women told you know they were telling us stories about having bricks thrown through their car windows and obviously all of that absolutely had its place in the 80s and we just felt that potentially showing the film to modern audiences we would need to kind of dig in a little bit more to more of these microaggressions where people sort of say that they're okay with something but actually they they are they're not and and that that might relate slightly easier for for current audiences so we tried to sort of take something real from the 80s and bring it into present day um i think actually that's what makes the story powerful because even the people that don't get it will not be defensive and then they will get it mm. So I, I thought it will be relatable to many people because even main character has these kind of behaviors that many people have and don't know even about it, those microaggressions. Enjoy this trip. Enjoy this trip. And it is a trip. Countdown is progressing.
So the, the casting was great. I think I couldn't imagine anyone better in this role. Was that difficult for you to find a lead role? And once you found it, how was it working with her? Uh, it was sort of all a very easy dream, working with Rosie and finding her. It was quite a simple process. It was lockdown, so I was hoping to meet quite a few actresses in a casting, but I had to do everything online. And because it was online, I was just sent these tape. When I got Rosie's tape, I didn't know where she was from, how old she was. She just started speaking and she was Jean with the accent, you know, she's not from the north of England. I thought her performance was brilliant in the tape, but she was just able to channel so much that was going on underneath in a very kind of, with very little and, and keep very still. And that for me was the way I had always imagined Jean. And I had also imagined Jean as somebody that was sort of instantly likable to her students, that they would respect her perhaps more than some of the other teachers. And I had always tried to explain that with the script in the script process. And sometimes I think people found the character a little cold or a little, you know, they couldn't understand why she does the things she does. And so I needed to find an actor who could sensitively portray all of these things and the difficult decisions Jean makes that are arguably quite morally questionable in places and that and, and I wanted the audience to be able to you know empathize with her instantly and I knew that with Rosie they would and in terms of collaborating with her because she came on with such a good understanding of who the character was that I had written I it was great because I felt like we started at the same place and so then it was just a case of building on that together and it wasn't me saying this is who she is this is what you know obviously I, I answered a lot of questions for Rosie but she instinctively understood the kind of fraught energy of the character and that was something that I just hadn't seen anywhere else with anyone else that had been put forward for the part. So yeah, she, she just sort of got it. I know you wanna go, it's a good life.
I'm just going to finish with what is next for you? Okay, well, I'm writing a film at the moment um, with Clemence Posey, the French actress. She's directing it. It's an adaptation of a book uh, called Expectation that's set in London. And I've been writing that with her for a while. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. And I have another film in development with BBC, uh, BBC Films who did Blue Jean, um, which is very, very early stages. It's set in LA. And I wrote, I've only written one draft of it. So. Stop.
to anywhere maybe we make a deal maybe together we can get somewhere any place is better starting from zero got nothing to lose maybe we'll make something me myself i got nothing to prove you got a fast car I got a plan to get us out of here Been working at the convenience store Managed to save just a little bit of money Won't have to drive too far Just across the border and into the city You and I can both get jobs 
Stop. Baby monster. Scratching and give me a beat. Ouch! Every third Monday of the month on Radio Laura.